People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Nikki Braffman is our guest today, and she is committed to helping others live in alignment through a process called human design. Her work is to hold a mirror to her clients, to show them their brilliance in both their innate design and their lived experience, and to use this information to help guide them in life's bridge work between where they are and where they want to go. Today, Nikki is going to help both Doro and I with our designs. Welcome, Nikki, to Health Gig. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. We're really excited that you're here. Yes, it's so exciting. Normally, nobody really talks about us on our podcast. So today, (laughs) we're excited that you're (laughs) you're going to talk a little bit about us. But before we do that, we want to know a little bit about you and where you're from and how you ended up with this human design. My name is Nikki Braffman. I'm originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I spent the first 10 years of my career as a startup executive, both here in the United States and abroad. I was someone before I found human design who was obsessed with moving really, really fast to be the most efficient, to make sure no one could ever say, you're going about this too slow. And so I went on hyperspeed and I did my undergraduate degree in three years. A few years later, I did my MBA in one year. And by the time I was 24, I had a master's degree and I was an executive. And I really like thought I was the coolest thing around. (laughs) And I went through that. I stayed as an executive. I rose to the ranks. I got all of the things that I thought I wanted, right? The salary, the frequent flyer miles, the titles, all of the things. And I sort of got to the proverbial top and I was exhausted and I was miserable and my health wasn't great and my marriage was suffering. And I couldn't figure out why after I had attained all of the things that one was to quote, quote, supposed to attain, I was so miserable. And I thought it was me, right? I thought nothing would be good enough for me. And I thought that I was failing my marriage and I thought I was failing my health when what I really started to understand was It was actually my continuous abandoning of myself, of who I truly was deep down inside, that was causing all of this chaos, for lack of a better word. So I transitioned from um, an executive position to starting my own coaching and consulting company because I just had kind of had it. I was completely burnt out. I wasn't finding sort of the right fit in the next role. And I thought for some time I would take some time off and sort of just help consult and coach other entrepreneurs. And in that coaching practice, it evolved from being someone who is very meticulous and business oriented to someone who was really spiritual. And I've always had a spiritual side to myself. I've been a yoga and meditation teacher for over 10 years, but I was so worried that if I ever put that spiritual persona on or that hat on, I wouldn't be taken seriously. And so that fear kept me away from so many genuine things that I wanted to work towards. And when I realized that, which was about the time that I was actually pregnant with my son, because I had all of these crazy personas, right? I had this like boss lady persona and I had this yoga lady persona and I was trying to come into this mom persona. And I was like, all of these three people in my head are like going to fight if I don't figure this out or if I don't feel a way to accept all of these. I found the system called human design through a client of mine. Her goal was to use this personality model of human design to help parents 
better parent their children and know a lot more information about their children's intuitive energies. And I think at the time I was very newly pregnant and I said, I need to know more. And I dug in, I dug in and I took this modality that is very, very dense. I sort of just fell in love with it. I started using it with my client work and conversations that were taking four, five hours of coaching hours were happening in 45 minutes. We were just unlocking things below the surface that were helping people sort of make these really small pivots that had massive impact. So human design is a personality model similar to the Myers-Briggs test or the Enneagram or astrology. It's just a way for us to know ourselves a little bit better. But what's a little bit different about human design is that it's a quantum modality. So it layers, which is what makes it so dense, it layers four spiritual modalities, which are the Chinese I Ching, the Hindu Brahmin chakra system, the Kabbalah, and astrology. And then it adds on top of that scientific modalities as well, like quantum mechanics, astronomy, biochemistry, and genetics. So this thing is full of a lot of information. What it really helps us do is understand what energies, what strengths, what ways that we're wired to make decisions and what roles we're meant to play are innate and what are based on our lived experience or based on subconscious programming that was sort of instilled in us at young ages. And then it gives my clients or it gives sort of the user an opportunity to decide what they want, right? What do they want to take from their lived experiences? What do they want to take from their understanding of their innate self? And how do they want to move forward? And usually when we go towards the things that are innate in us, we feel a lot of permission to write, just be ourselves. And we also have a deep sense of purpose and flow, right? Those days where you're like, oh, the person who I was thinking of just called me and I'm hitting all the traffic lights and my ideas are just popping up and people are receiving me in a just really warm way. That's what I mean when I talk about flow. I use this modality to help people manifest the life of their dreams. And I think that a lot of times when people hear me say manifest, they think I'm like standing like a witch around a cauldron, you know, using spices and herbs. And what I really mean when I say manifestation is creating and inhabiting a world that you genuinely want to live in for yourself. We are products. We were all products of what we consume. And the energy of what we consume, whether it's people or food or social media or any media, really, those things combined create our realities. And so this modality and this work really gives us an opportunity to say, I want to curate that a little bit better. I want more of what I love. I want a little bit less of what I don't love. And I want to feel the most me I can possibly feel. Wow. That's a lot. I'm I so know. excited. <laughs> I do. I feel like I'm coming to see the wizard. You know what I mean? Like you're going to give it to me. You're going to make sure this life is now going to be so good. <laughs> so how do you do all that? I mean, that is a lot. Do people come see you or do you have many sessions to figure all that out or how does it go? So some people are good with having one session and having sort of information sort of relayed to them. Other people work with me for years, almost like you might work with a therapist on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis. Um, and then I have programs. I have a program called the School of Manifestation where I do this work inside of this really intimate, beautiful container with a community, which really helps because people are able to sort of help each other 
pursue these manifestations. And there's some really intense magic that happens inside of that. But what's really cool is that I mentioned before that sessions that were taking me four or five hours to get things out of people, what do you really want? Or what are you really set up for? Took that long because we have this like ego that gets in the way. And what human design does in this information tells me is how to kind of get past that right away. And so what it's really telling me is the energetics that certain people have. And the beautiful thing about this is it reminds us that not everybody has the same amount of energy. It's not as if we've been given sort of a cup full of energy and some of us use it super efficiently and super wisely and others of us are lazy and need more rest and time. We're all meant to kind of have unique energies and we put these energies into five buckets called energy types. So if listeners are listening along and either they know about human design or they're curious about human design, we can put the way to download your chart in the show notes, but essentially you'll get one of five different energies. And some people, we call them generators or manifesting generators, are meant to go, go, go and do, do, do all the time. They're kind of like energizer bunnies. And Trish, that's you. You're a generator. <laughs> oh, I <came> out that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a generator. The difference between a generator and a manifesting I generator. Know that. Just from my chart? Yes. So we know this information from your birth date, birth time, and birth location. And so this is where it gets a little bit into astrology. We basically take a snapshot of the universal energetics on the day and time you were born. And then we take another snapshot three months before you were born when your brain is being developed. So right at the cusp of the second and third trimester in utero, your brain develops. And so we take a snapshot of that energies and we layer those on top of each other. And we look at where there is circuitry, where certain things are lighting each other up. We have nine bodily centers in this modality depending on which ones are lit up, will depend on what kind of energy you have, will depend on this, what we call energy type. And so you, Trish, as a generator are like, you go, 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 do, do, do. The things that light you up that you really love doing, you could do in like complete perpetuity. But the kind of caveat for a generator or manifesting generator is you don't have a lot of energy, if any energy at all, for things that you don't want to do. <laughs> and then the things that you don't want to do really drain you energetically. And so a lot of people will ask me inevitably when they hear that they're a generator or a manifesting generator, like, well, I don't like doing dishes or I don't like changing my kids' diapers. Like, what do I do about that? And I always say, think about the things that you don't like to do and ask yourself if they are serving a higher purpose or a higher responsibility. And if the answer is yes, then you can kind of see the bigger picture and you can say, well, I want to do the dishes because I want to keep a tidy home and I want to feel safe <laughs> and I want to feel hygienic, right? You know, but if you were doing the dishes all day, every day and nothing else, I imagine that it wouldn't, you know, be serving a higher purpose. It would be serving other people's purposes or God knows what. When it's serving a higher purpose, it usually can kind of like skate in as long as we're not only doing that. When the answer to that is no, which often we are so accustomed to just doing things because that's the way things are done or because it's been habitualized in us or because we're used to just overriding that instinct about what we truly want. And so when it becomes too much of that, we sort of enter into this phase of energetic debt. And just like financial debt, energetic debt sort of accrues interest. And the more we do things that we don't love, the easier it is for us to burn out the harder it is for us to kind of climb out of that hole and the more the world around us becomes accustomed to us doing those things. 
generators and manifesting generators have to really hold a boundary about this is what I want and I don't want that. And I'm going to say yes when I mean yes and no when I mean no, because my livelihood is really at stake here, right? My energy on a day-to-day basis is based on me being true to myself and doing those things. So that's generators and manifesting generators. The way that they actually use their energy, the way they kind of get it out of their body is to respond to an outside stimulus. So some of us are meant to initiate, some of us are meant to wait. Waiting or responding can feel like a really passive thing. Like, what am I just going to wait around until someone, you know, gives me something I'm ready and eager to respond to or that I want to say yes to? And that's not really the case. You could respond to the sun shining outside and say, oh, I'm going to respond by going for a walk because it's a beautiful day, right? And so you want to always make sure that your energy is being used to respond to an outside stimulus. Like maybe even this podcast is a response to a gap that you saw in the market maybe for a demographic that was interesting to you or any work that you're doing or anything that you're using your energy for should be a response. And as long as you're continuously responding, you will feel hopefully responding to things that you do love, a sense of satisfaction, which is what we call the life theme for a generator or a manifesting generator. And so you're always looking for that kind of I've checked the boxes, I can go to sleep happy, sense of satisfaction. And that's sort of what you're here to do versus feelings of frustration. When you feel kind of a grinding gears frustration, you know that something has gone wrong. Maybe it is that you've said yes when you meant no, or no when you meant yes, or you're doing something you don't want to do. And that's an opportunity and almost like a stop sign to say, wait, 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 where are we? How do I get back to doing the things I love? And how do I get out of the sense of frustration? And using that as a tool can be really, really instantly have effect, right? You asked, how do you work so fast, right? How do you understand the things about people so quickly? In a session, we might understand like someone says, I'm frustrated by my job or my spouse or my this or my that. And we're instantly able to say like, where are you saying yes to things that you don't want to say yes to? Or where are you saying no to things that really light you up, but you feel like you don't have time for? And in that way, we're able to kind of zero in and get directly to the root cause of people's unhappiness or chaos or sometimes, you know, disease. I know I'm throwing a lot out there, but I wanted to give you guys an opportunity, right, Trisha, to respond and understand how that resonates with you or how that sits with you in your day-to-day life. Well, I think that that sounded kind of true, you know, that I think I do have that kind of energy. Dora, do you agree? I 100% agree. I do like to generate. I like to move kind of quickly through things. But when you talked about the grinding, that really resonated. And it's so funny because I can find the things I just can't do. And sometimes it looks like you don't want to do it. Or someone might say in my past, well, like nobody wants to do that, but I really can't (laughs) do it. It becomes like physically difficult, right? To do the things you don't want to do, which I'll just give you some good feedback here, which is means that you're really aligned, right? With what you want and what you don't want. There are people who are in a constant state of override there. They can't even come back to themselves to know what it is that they do like or they don't like because their subconscious programming has told them something completely different than what is genuinely, you know, in their own energy. That's like in every part of your life, right? You're not just a generator here. You're a generator everywhere. And what are the categories? So we have generators, 
their subtype manifesting generators, which are generators, but they just move really fast and do a lot of things, right? Okay, they just tend it, to it. like want to do all of the things. You know, we call them jack of all trades. We sometimes label them ADHD, but mm. those are people who just like want to be buzzing around like crazy doing a variety of many things. Then we have- But I'm proje- just a generator. You're just a generator, okay. which doesn't mean that you don't have I'm a lot of energy. <laughs> it just tends to be that you- have more of a steady focused attention okay. towards the things that you love. Then we have projectors, which Doro, you are a projector. Projectors represent about 20% of people in the world where generators and manifesting generators represent about 70% of people in the wow, world. Wow, Doro, you're really special. I'm unique. <laughs> I'm unique. Very unique. And manifestors are 9% of people in the world, which is what I am. And then we have one more that is very rare. It is under 1% of the population and those are reflectors. And so generators, you know, we live in a go, 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 do, do, do world because it's sort of the generator way. And because it's most of the people in the world are generators or manifesting generators. What we're talking about right now, which is called energy type, is literally one out of like eight different elements of your chart. And so we can go really, really deep it kind of triggers us when we first hear these percentages because we're like, well, I guess I'm not unique, right? If we're, if we're right. generators or manifesting generators. But the crazy thing is the deeper you get into each level, right? So there are five energy types, seven different what we call inner authorities, which are a decision-making principle, 12 different profiles, which are our roles. And then it goes on and on wow. and on and on. And so I think I did the math once. The only way to have the exact same chart as someone, I think it's one in 200 some people in the world with will have the same exact chart as you. So they basically people who are born at the exact same minute um, as you across the world in different ways. So people will get this idea like, oh, I'm a generator. I'm just like the rest of everybody. And that's just not true, right? (laughs) Your gift isn't just work, work, working. Your gift is your work, right? Whatever that unique work is that you're here to do and that you do so well and you do so effortlessly and that you might not think is a gift at all because it just comes so intuitively and you're constantly saying yes to it. That's kind of what you're here to do. And for everybody, that's going to be different no matter how the energy kind of moves through you. As generators and manifesting generators go, they do represent a big part of our society. So a lot of times people who aren't generators and manifesting generators, people like myself and Doro, will kind of try to jump on that energetic bandwagon and say, well, everybody else is moving this quickly. Everybody else has all this energy. What's wrong with me? Why don't I have this energy? And so, Doro, you're what we call a projector. And projectors are often our healers, wisdom keepers, guides. They have an intense amount of empathic energy. So they really feel the energy of a room. If you were to walk into a room or even one-on-one with someone, you might feel energetically that something's going on with them sooner than they themselves will feel that. So it creates this opportunity for you to be an amazing guide. The only caveat for projectors is that they have a strategy, just like it's the generators and manifesting generators strategy to respond. It's the projector's strategy to do something called waiting for an invitation. And this sounds even more passive than responding. Like, what am I supposed to do? Sit at my mailbox and like wait for a piece of mail to come to invite me to show up in my life? And that's really not what it's about. The idea of waiting for invitation is to wait for sort of an energetic 
invitation, right? So if Doro, I walk in a room with you and you're like, oh God, something's wrong. If you jump down my throat and say, what's wrong, Nikki? What's going on? I know something's wrong. I might not feel that energy yet. And so I'm going to be like, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. (laughs) I'm I'm all good. (laughs) But if I came to you and I was like, Doro, like something's up. My energy feels really wonky or I'm not feeling great. Just like a lot of your clients might do. You have this intense amount of sort of under the surface energy knowledge to be able to help them and guide them. And therefore, once you kind of wait for someone to kind of come to you, you're creating a really natural and organic energetic connection instead of sort of a wonky energetic connection of like unsolicited advice. And so the not self theme, when you're not in your own energy, you'll feel a sense of bitterness. What feels more bitter than like knowing what someone should do and them not listening to you? (laughs) versus the success of that organic energetic connection where you're saying, I know exactly what you need and I'm here to help. And so projectors work is to really make themselves seen, to sort of raise their hand and just be like, hey guys, this is what I do, right? This is what I'm here to do. This is how I'm here to heal. This is how I'm here to show up. And for other people to say, oh, wow, that's amazing. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Thereby almost eliciting those invitations that you need to act. We have a joke in the human design community that projectors can only work like four hours a day. Projectors (laughs) need a lot of time alone. They need a lot of rest because they are taking on all of that energy all the time. They need to be able to sort of like be in their own energy and sort of let all of the other energy wash away. And when they aren't in that, they often become, depending on which centers of theirs are open or where they don't have consistent energy of their own, they can become a lot like their surroundings. And so it's always important for projectors to sort of stay really energetically on their own terms so that they can always make sure they're serving people and then letting go of their energy, right? It's not yours to hold on to. And for you, Doro, that means you can take on like the personalities or the ways of speaking of others take on like their intensity and their competitiveness, take on their go, 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 do, do, do energy, right? If you're with Trish, you might grab onto her kind of let's go do this energy, which is great, but it's not the way that your body is meant to kind of function, which is why you need that time alone to sort of reestablish your energetic baseline. I think it sounds really true. I've I always, do. I, think I, so. I know when we would be describing Doro in conversations and things, the healer, the wisdom keeper, the guide feels really true to me as experiencing her and the empathy, the ability to sort of empathize. And Dora, I do think it's true. You would feel things before people feel things and you'll say stuff like, I think this or that. And I think that's really, really true. I think the part about removing myself too, because Trish, I always say to you, now don't take that person's stuff don't take that on. Don't <laughs> because take that I'm on. projecting to myself, like <laughs> I can't take that person's stuff on. You know, I have to step back. But I think what you said about the wisdom is so true about Doro. Like she just has a sense of wisdom and the healer, just this idea of it's there and it's under the surface. So Dora, I think that rings really true. Well, I thought yours rang true too. <laughs> I know, but I wish I was a projector. <laughs> like you said. Because I know you're go, go, go. And when you get passionate about something, you could go all day long about it and flow happens. But then there are those things with oh. you that you don't even want to touch because it's a yeah. heavy lift. So, And they're really like, it's so true. It's truly heavy for me. And it's truly yeah. like, I cannot 
do you that. just can't do that. That really is amazing. That's so interesting. Where do you go from there? We got the energy type and then we go towards what we call inner authority, which is how we make decisions. So if you think about decision making outside of like, you know, quick, what do I want for lunch, right? Decision making creates our entire reality. The way that every decision that we make is a step forward on our own path. Our decision-making principle is really interesting here. The funny thing is that although you guys both have different energy types, you have the same, what we call inner authority, which is your decision-making principle. And there are seven different inner authorities. What you both have is what we call emotional authority. And people who have emotional authority, which are actually 50% of people in the world, They need to sort of ride what we call an emotional wave before they make a decision. They need to sort of think it out. And so if someone asks you, hey, do you want to do this thing? You might be like, oh my God, I totally want to do it. And then five minutes later, you're like, wow, I really don't want to do that. I don't know if I have time. And they're like, but it would be so great. And then you're like, no, I don't know if I want to do it. (laughs) And what our society has taught us about those particular thought patterns is that we're indecisive and that that's bad. And what's really happening there is you're giving space for you to understand the depth of the decision. You might go up and then you might go down, but instead of kind of getting on ourselves about, wow, I really don't know what I want. I'm so indecisive. What you can instead do is say, oh, I'm interested to see where this takes me. I'm interested to see what comes up. And then it's the best practice for people who have emotional authority to wait till they're in a very intense place of calm to make a decision. It might just kind of come to you once you're in that calm state. The good thing to remind ourselves is that there's not a lot of truth in the right now because we haven't experienced that emotional wave. So the best way to kind of use this right in our day-to-day life is to say, you know, hey, could I sleep on that? Or can I get back to you in the morning? Or can I get back to you in a few days to just buy yourself a little bit more time for that emotional wave to happen? If you really wanted to, you could say, I really need to, you know, check in with my emotional wave, but a lot of people won't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Instead, just giving yourself more time to come to that place of calm and just know kind of all aspects of the decision that are in front of you. And a lot of us reap the bad side of the decision-making because we don't have the patience to see that emotional pattern go through. And we are worried that, you know, people need and demand answers now. But what's really happening is we're just kind of coming to a place where we've decided that it's energetically aligned for us to be able to make that decision in that way. That sounds true. That definitely sounds true. (laughs) We have many conversations like (laughs) in our business, like, do you think we should do this in the treasure? Yeah, but what about that? (laughs) Okay, let's do that. And then, okay, no, we're going to do it this way. And then we often say, we'll decide that. Let's Let's put it on the shelf. You know, I love that you guys have that in common because it doesn't create a scenario where one of you, for example, some generators and manifesting generators have what we call sacral authority, which is an immediate gut yes or no. Trish, you have this, you have that, but it's not your kind of first and foremost way of making decisions. And so if one of you had what we call sacral authority and was making snap decisions and the other was like, I need more time. You might butt heads a little bit unless you truly understood the nature of each other's designs and said, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to use your emotional wave and I'm going to give you a chance to make your snap decisions. And that's, you know, what comes up. Everybody will inevitably ask me about partnership or friendship or business partnership because they'll say, you know, what is it best for a generator to be with a projector or a manifester to be with a manifester? And I say, anybody can be or work or do anything with any other type. 
as long as we have sort of a deep respect and understanding for the way that the other works. And so what I think you guys have seen just by chance, having this same inner authority has made it really easy to say, we're going to put things on the shelf and not beat yourselves up and say, why do we always shelf things? Why can we make decisions? <laughs> right? It's not about that. You're just like, here's our stuff on the shelf. We'll get back to it when we feel a little bit more calm. And one thing that I would kind of guide you towards is that one of your places of calm might come from a different time and space than the others. And so while you do have the same emotional wave, you might be on different emotional waves individually. And so to give each other, right, in this business partnership, the space to say, okay, I did my wave, Dora's still on her wave, we're going to allow everybody to get to the same place when they get there. Yeah, and I do think we do do that. And then I think that sacral thing that I must have in me eventually does come up, right, Dora? Like, and then eventually I'll be like, okay, well. <laughs> and you're using it's that true. sacral to like ride that wave, right? You're like, oh, it's yeah. a yes. Oh, it's a no. Oh, it's a yes. Ooh, yeah, it's a no. definitely. Um, it's really interesting because no matter of the seven decision-making authorities that we have, every single one of them in our culture has something negative about it. People who have emotional authority, oh, they take too much time. They need to make better decisions. People who have sacral authority, oh, are you sure about that? You made such a snap decision. I don't know about that. And it's just such an interesting reflection about how there is rhetoric that really allows us to beat ourselves up all the time. And that when we know which energy we have, whether it's energy type or whether it's our inner authority, this decision-making principle, we basically can stand firmly in our ground and say, this is how I am. And I feel courage to stand in this way. And I'm going to allow the cards to fall. And anyone who doesn't like it is probably not for me. Uh So our next thing that we talk about is our profile. And our profile is the role that we're meant to play in this world. As you know, right, um, same with the title of CEO, a CEO at GE and a CEO at the New York Times are doing two very different things, right? So our roles might look similar, but the way that we inhabit them can be very, very different. And so there's 12 different role archetypes, and they come to us from the Chinese I Ching, which is a 2000 plus year old modality that is almost like a crypto code that no one's really cracked, but it's been kind of brought into this modality of human design. In the chart, it shows 64 six-line shapes that are called hexagrams. And each of these six lines in the hexagram has a different meaning. And so I like to think of the six lines of the hexagram like a house. It's kind of the easiest way to illustrate it. The one line is the foundation of the house. The two line is like the front door of the house. The three line is like the living room. The four line is like a staircase. The five line is like a bedroom window. And the six line is like the roof. And so you can understand that the top part of the hexagram, the four, five, and six, is a much more sort of bird's eye view, transpersonal style person. And the bottom of the hexagram is a little bit more esoteric, a little bit more individualized. And we take two numbers, one from your body and one from your mind, and we kind of put them into what looks like a fraction. And those two numbers sort of dictate what your profile is. Doro, you have the two line in your profile. And we call the two line the hermit slash genius line. So two lines have (laughs) this intense, and this goes really well with sort of your projector qualities, but this two line has this sense of knowing. I know what I know, but I don't always know how I know what I know. And the world 
really asks people to prove what they know over and over again. And this can be really, really hard for two lines because they just have innate genius and innate knowledge. And so what two lines tend to do is kind of go into this hermit place because they're like, I don't want to have to explain how I know what I know because (laughs) the truth about it is they don't know how they know what they know. So for two lines, it's really important that they just be in certain roles and certain communities and environments that allow them to express their knowledge without a constant need to prove why. And so like being in a coach or a healer role is often really nice because you can sort of say what you need to say and see if it lands with them or not. And then you can kind of go on your way. The thing I always like to tell two lines is your genius and your information and your value is not determined by if your information lands with people. You don't need to prove yourself in order to feel valued. That's just half of it, right? So we have that half as a genius hermit style. You have the four line and the four line is the community line. People who have the four line, and I have this in my chart as well, are really here to be part of, to curate, to lift up communities. Your own success is predicated basically on the success of your community. It's kind of the idea of that quote, a rising tide lifts all ships as your community elevates so to do you. And so when you combine this information, it's really interesting, right? You have this community guide side, you have this inner knowing, inner genius side. It's really, I think about for you playing this role of I'm a community leader. I help and I lift people up. I'm also a projector. So I really know energetically what's going on below the surface of my community. And if they're healthy or if they're not, maybe physically or energetically healthy. And making sure that, you know, as you form that community, you don't feel the need to constantly, right, prove why you're valuable, right? That the people who you attract, the people who are sort of magnetic to you, be people who really truly see that innate genius already, right? Without this idea of proving yourself. (laughs) That's (laughs) amazing. I think you really are a two-line four-liner. For sure. (laughs) I do know that I don't like to be lifted up without everybody else coming with me. I know Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really true. Your value is not determined if what you say with people I love that because oftentimes Dora has that inner wisdom. Like he said, it's just there. She doesn't know why she knows that things are uncomfortable or she knows whatever. She doesn't know why. And sometimes I think there were times that you might not say it. So I guess maybe that's the hermit, right? <laughs> and other times you'll be like, yeah. And you could verbalize it in a safe environment, maybe. Really interesting, Doro. The hermit genius expressed knowledge. No need to prove it. Wow. Wow. I don't know. You're like amazing. No, what's Trisha's profile? Because that's what I want to know. First of all, I just want to comment how beautiful it is that each of you was like, yes, that's her. These are all the amazing (laughs) things about her that you absolutely nailed. And then each of you was like, is it? And it's really beautiful to watch happen in both as like a business partnership and a friendship. I just wanted to reflect that back to you guys. It's very true about Dora though. Very true. Well, Okay. (laughs) But for Trish, Trish, you are a one line, three line. So the one line, um, as you remember, might be the foundation of that house. So you have this intense need to become an expert at information, right? 
I can even see it right now in our conversation. You're like, okay, so wait, I need to learn about this and I'm going to learn about this. And you kind of have that, like, I need to dig deeper and dig deeper. Oh, yes. And then what (laughs) one lines often forget is that by doing all that digging, by doing all the research and the studying and becoming the expert, they themselves are the experts. They've sought out all of this expertise and wisdom. And now other people see that and they're like, whoa, she's the expert. Yes. And they forget that. Right. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. And then the other part of your profile, the three line is the perma experimenter. Three lines really experience life through experimenting and trying new things all the time. The experimenter is definitely someone who you might say, hey, Trish, don't touch the hot stove. It's hot. And you're like, I'm going to need to touch that hot stove. (laughs) Like, I'm going to need to know what's going on there. Making sure that you're in environments that allow you that full expression of experimentation and aren't kind of putting you down and saying things like, well, why do you need to try all these new things all the time? Or can't you just take my word for it without having to just experience for yourself? And the answer for you is like, (laughs) no, I can't, I can't. It's, it's in me, right? It's innate. Um, And as much as you can be (laughs) supported. It's so true. Yeah. As much as you can be supported in that environment and say like, yes, go do new things, go try new things, go pick up new hobbies, bringing it back to you being a generator by experimenting with things that light you up. It's an amazing kind of use of your energy. The interesting thing for generators is that sometimes things will light you up and then all of a sudden they won't. And so a lot of generators will have a very hard time with kind of extricating themselves from the things that they were so excited about. And now they're like, it's kind of a no. And so what I like to advise, which comes from one of my mentors before she even had any idea about human design is can you date your hobbies, right? Can you date the things that you like and sort of like, I'm going to go to a random painting class tonight or I'm going to pick up this, but I don't have any expectation and this will be kind of at odds with your expert line. The crazy thing about human design is we see in ourselves where there are contradictions and everybody has contradictions energetically, emotionally, all over their charts. But you might have this feeling where you're like, I have to become an expert at it, right? I'm trying a new thing. I have to be the expert. And the truth is like, you can kind of let that go. There will be things that you want to try and become the expert at. And there will be things that you want to try that you're like, wow, that didn't really light me up at all as a generator. I don't really have a lot of capacity for that. We're going to leave it to the side. And that's the beautiful thing. If you think about your, you kind of like intersect, right? So Trisha, you have the one, three and Dora, you have the two, four. And so you kind of are filling in the gaps of Mm -hmm. each other's roles and energies. And sometimes people have the same roles, but they project them differently. And sometimes people really help fill in the gaps of each other. And I think you guys do that really, really nicely. Now would be a great time if you guys have any questions about your charts that I can answer or go a little bit deeper or more specific. Any questions you have about life or your business that you feel called to ask right now? So something that's going on for me, Nikki, is I've never had physical body pain. And it's just all of a sudden, I've got pain on my whole left side of my body. I've got like a lower back issue, now a knee issue, ankle issue, just it's all on my left side. And then what's coming up in my life is, you know, it is a transition time. And I'm feeling not sure where I'm going. I'm feeling not grounded, you know, and I know Dora and I practice a lot mindfulness and meditation and all those tools that we teach about, but I'm having a moment now where I'm having a hard time finding that. 
Does that show up on my chart? <laughs> a little bit. It does. Um, and so I'll get to the physical side after, but I want to talk about this sort of hard time that you're having, maybe making the next step. I want to kind of give you the opportunity when you're thinking about things or when opportunities are presenting themselves to really think about that gut response of yes or no. Does this light me up? And it doesn't have to be, does this light me up forever? It can be, does this light me up right now? Do I want to do this right now? And if the answer is no, going away from that. And so using that kind of binary-ness to start taking steps forward. The other thing that I'll say is that both of you, and so this goes for both of you, have what we call an undefined identity center. And so the place in the body that kind of governs things like personality and identity for both of you is open, which means that you don't have consistent and reliable access to energy there. I have this as well. And so it means that your personality may sway when you're with certain people or certain things or in certain areas. So you could go to one set of friends and act one way, and you could go to a different set of friends and act a different way or show up in different places and feel different things. And so what's really important for people who have this, especially when they're kind of feeling a little bit off, is to say, am I being surrounded by people who I love? Do I love who I am right now? in my personality because of the people I'm around. I've had the experience where I feel a little bit off and then I'm like, it's not my energy. It's other people's or I'll say things or I'll do things. And I'm like, that wasn't me at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, that, that resonates. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> I had this experience with my husband with one of his buddies. And every time I was around his buddy, I was so mean to my husband. He was like, why are you so mean to me? And I was like, I have no idea. It's so easy. Like, and I realized I was like, you know, with one of his old buddies who just, you know, they like to rag on each other. And I was like, oh, okay. So now I can either tell him, hey, I'm going to be mean to you because we're around your friend, or I can be more conscious and just be more aware. And so you might find yourself in a time or area where you aren't surrounding yourself, especially because of COVID and where we are in the world right now mm. with people who really energize you and light you up and make you love that inner spark of yourself. And so that might be kind of a clue into how to take those next steps forward. As far as the physical feelings, there are some parts on the left-hand side of your chart where you don't have access to consistent, reliable energy. And that comes from your splenic center, which is the seat of your intuition. And the intuition is a really interesting thing because our intuition speaks the language of fear. So our intuition says, even if it's good information, it tends to speak in a negative way. So instead of, you know, while you're walking down a mountain path saying, you know, hey, be careful, this is a crazy large mountain, it'll be like, oh my God, you could fall to your death right now, right? That's like the splenic center. And so we as people need to kind of interpret that worry feeling of, oh my God, I could plummet to my death right now and say, wow, look at everything I can see from this vantage point. And so I think a lot of times when we have ailments on the left-hand side of our body, that it's a lot of worry. And so I think yeah. you can ask yourself, do I have a lot of worry right now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like creating ailments on this left hemisphere of my body and how can I work through them, right? How can I see them as this is information, not yeah. just utter fear? You know, I don't know a lot about the passing of your husband, but 
assuming he had a defined identity center, losing someone like that is not only losing, you know, any death is losing parts of yourself when they're closed, but it might really be losing what feels like a physical part of who you are and your personality. And so part of that is not, okay, I'm going to go get a new personality, but like honoring that and understanding that it's a chameleon-like superpower, right? I can do well wherever I am. And a lot of my maybe missing him is due to the fact that I was just so used to having that persona in myself. Mm, that rings really true. You know, today's his birthday. This might have to do with my energy types and everything, but I really don't have a question. But <laughs> I'm wondering if you see anything on my chart that jumps out at you that's interesting that I should know. Oh, that's a good question. So one of the really interesting things on your chart, Doro, is that you have what we call defined centers, consistent and reliable energy in your head center, which is the seat of inspiration. You are very inspiring to people and you have a fixed sense of what inspires you in the seat of your Ajna center, which is your ability to conceptualize. So you have a very fixed way of conceptualizing and understanding information. And all of that is directly attached to your voice. And so I love that you have a podcast because if you were my client and you didn't have a podcast, I would say, can you have or create or build a platform where you are able to use your voice? But you already have that. So that's amazing. I think that as a projector, sometimes the energetics of it are like, I want to stay quiet. I want to stay maybe in the background. And it's so important that you take this information that you have, both from that two line, that inner genius line, and this fixed inspiration that you have, or you're very inspiring, and you use your voice in a consistent way, in a reliable way to share that. Well, this has been amazing. Amazing. Just amazing. amazing. And our hour went by so I fast. I just want to thank you guys both so much to not only just participating, but also being so open to something that is still climbing through the ranks of the wellness community, <laughs> frankly, and just for having me on to share this with your community. Oh, well, thank you for being so generous with taking your time to read our charts and yes. to just be sort of spot on. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. It is amazing. So we really appreciate it. Well, we encourage everyone to be in touch with Nikki and yeah. we'll have the information in the show notes and it's just been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>